We're not overly businesslike now, are we? Um, that was an inside joke for some of you. So, um, so I, I was just struck by that song, If Ever I Love Thee, My Jesus Tis Now. And in some ways, what we're going to be talking about in the next few minutes, because I intentionally shortened this up today, uh, is, is, is about how if ever I felt like a pastor, it's now. I've preached in front of literally thousands of people. And I, and I felt, feel more like a pastor at this moment than I, ha, than I do in any other places. Why? Because what you just participated in, in all of its messiness and confusion and, and the way that life works, is, is what I feel and I feel that we are incredibly called to. Because what I see in this passage is David begins his separation from Saul and God starts to call him and form him, form him and he ends up in the wilderness. There's the kingdom of Saul where things work the way that they ought to work, where, 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 where wealth is, is power, where military might is power, where people who have stuff get more, where people who are poor get crushed. That is the world of Saul. And David is thrown out of that world. And it's fascinating because David, as he starts off in the wilderness of Adullam, uh, the cave at Adullam, the, in the Hebrew it talks about the wilderness as well, that that he goes there because everything he has has been taken away from him. But what's fascinating is that in the midst of that, his brothers and his father's household heard about it, and they went down to him there. And all those who were in distress or in, distress or in debt or, or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander, and about 400 men were with them. And this is a fascinating story because he just gets surrounded by these people that, that uh, Robert Alter in his brilliant writing calls everyone who is in distress, uh, sorry, everyone who, everyone who is in, dis- in straits and everyone who is in debt and everyone who is bitter in soul came and gathered around him there. And who are these men and how does it help you to be surrounded by 400 people whose lives are so falling apart that it's better for them to live in the wilderness than it is to live in the kingdom of Saul? What kind of world and what kind of group of people are that? Especially when by the time we get to uh, 2 Samuel 22, just one book later, when David is king, we start hearing these amazing stories about David's mighty men. And there's this entire list of men who, who fight hundreds of Philistines at once, who sacrifice everything that they are to benefit the kingdom around them. They, they defend people's property, they defend people's lives, and they say, no, on behalf of our God, on behalf of our people, we are going to use the strength that God has given us to sacrificially give on their behalf to make this place better for everyone around. And they were called David's Mighty Men. They did amazing things and stories that we still tell today. So as we go through this narrative, it's like, where did those where did those 30 mighty men come from where did all of these mighty people that did these amazing things come from well the simplest explanation is that they came from here those mighty people that we still tell stories about those those mighty individuals who gave everything of themselves for the benefit of the kingdom around him those were people who at the beginning of their story when we meet them were in distress or in debt or 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 bitter in soul is the more accurate translation people that the empire wasn't good enough so they said i'm better off in the wilderness it's the same group of people. So now, as someone who is interested in, in transformation, it becomes a very important question for me to ask, what happened at Adulam? How did these people become transformed? Because the reality is, people don't 
change. As much as we would like to think that they do, they really don't for the most part. And as a social worker and as a, I've spent a lot of time just thinking about how do people change because the reality is if you want someone, if you want a mighty person, if you want an amazing person, the easiest way to get a mighty person is to start with a mighty person. Start with the person who has all of the advantages. Start with the prodigies. Start with the scholars. Start with the exceptional people. Start there and then you're going to end up with a mighty person on the end of it. But I believe that there's three things that happened at Adulam that happen. Well, I'm just going to give up. Um, that happen in the church that I think that we should pay attention to because I believe that they are things that can and ought to happen here and things that we have been called to to change the city around us. And the first thing that they found at Adulam is they found a leader worth following. If we go back and look, David first goes to Adulam, and David has demonstrated his viability as a leader to these people by leading them into battle over and over again and having victories. They've seen David struggle and wrestle with the Lord and sing out his heart to the Lord in the Psalms, saying, I will follow the Lord. They've seen him go up against the giants that opposed him and saying, in the name of the Lord, whatever happens to me, I might get destroyed, but I'm going to do the right thing. They found a leader worth following, a leader who was willing to give everything of himself to them and all of us need that in order to change one of the one of the the things that happens in in our self-help culture is everybody says everything that you need to change is inside you and there's an element of truth to that but all of us need other people around us in order to bring that out of us We will never find that on our own. We need to bless each other into change. And that doesn't just happen with me. That happens with all of us. Okay, It's not just about one sole person. That's a terrible idea. But the reality is they found this leader worth following who who could point them in a direction and show them how they ought to live. Now, I'll I'll do do it this way. They found a family to belong to. This is really fascinating as well because it says David and all his brothers and their households gathered together to him there, which is fascinating that these are people that, that, that didn't have anything to be concerned about or worried about, but when they saw that their brother had been kicked out of the kingdom, when their brother had been kicked out of the empire, they said, if this empire is not good enough for him, it is not good enough for me either. And I would rather live with my brother in the wilderness than live here in safety and security in the kingdom of Saul. I choose to be with someone who is kicked out and oppressed because it's the right thing to do and because they are my brother rather than to choose a life of ease and comfort. That's a family worth belonging to. People that will go to the mat for you and say, you're in trouble. If you're in trouble, then I'm in trouble too. If you're in danger, I'm in danger too. If you're mourning, I'm mourning too. I am with you and on your side. They found a family to belong to. And then they found deeds to do. And this is a really fascinating story that happens in, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 23. In 1 Samuel 23, David hears that the Philistines, another group of people, are attacking the threshing floors at Kilah. Threshing floors were a very important agricultural thing that needed to happen. They needed to get grain so they could make bread. And the threshing floors were predominantly uh, covered uh, and worked at by women and children because that was the the, the job that, that, that they had. And the Philistines were attacking them and stealing the grain, essentially possibly sentencing an entire group of people to a winter of possible starvation and fear and danger. 
And David inquires of the Lord and says, the Philistines are attacking the threshing floors at Kailah. Should I go help? And the Lord says, yes. And David says, okay. And then he goes to his 400 angry, uh, in distressed, in debt, bitter in soul people. And he says, hey, okay, guys, mount up. we got to go take on the Philistines at Kailah. And they all went, nope. We're not going. And in the Hebrew, it actually says, if we're already here scared in the wilderness, how much more are we going to be scared if we try and attack another group uh, of evil people in Kyla? This is not who we are. You're dealing with the angry and the scared and the in debt and the bitter in soul. We're not your rescue team. And David looks at them and says, yeah, you're right, you're not. And then he goes back to the Lord and says, are you sure about this? About the whole, like, attack? Because these guys aren't going. And, and now that I've been with them, I don't think that they're ready for it. And God says, go do it. So David, being the leader that he is, obeys the Lord. And he says, look, I'm going. So if you all want to come, come. And they do. And four, these 400 men mount up. And they go and they attack the Philistines at Kyla and they have a great and amazing victory. And, and, and all of a sudden things start to change about them. That they start to recognize that, wait a minute, the Lord is on our side. And when we do good things, when we sacrifice ourselves for other people, then all of a sudden we begin to change as well. And the Bible tells us something very interesting, that 400 men rode to Kyla And it also says when they rode back, 600 men came back. So 200 men were added to their number because 200 other men looked at those scared, angry misfits in the wilderness and said, that's something I want too. They've got something going on that, that I think I want to be a part of as well. I want to be what they're doing. And they joined up and 200 more joined in. So now the question comes to us, of how ought we to do this as well. Because I believe that that same transformation that happened to these people in the wilderness at Adulam is possible in the city of Edmonton. I believe that that's possible even on the north side of Edmonton through what Jesus is doing. Because do we have a leader worth following? Absolutely. Jesus is the perfect leader worth following. He is demonstrated through His life, His coming to be present with us, through His death and resurrection, living a life that was impossible for us to live. And, and we point to Jesus and say, that is who we are modeling our lives after. It's not about me. It's not just some dude in a wet t-shirt and shorts dripping all over the place. It's about, it's about pointing all of us towards Jesus. And do we have a leader that will guide us in the right direction, that will show us how to live when we don't know how to live? Absolutely we do. We point people towards Jesus. Do we have a family to belong to? I believe in this room, we do. I do believe that with every fiber of my being right now. That we are people who see the mess of this life and the confusion of it and the complexity of it and all of our different stories and they look and say, we are all one in Christ Jesus. I am on your side. Whatever story you came in here with is your story and we start there. And I, and I am totally committed to this being a place where we live in the mess of life, where we understand that people are angry, where people are bitter, where people are in debt, where people are, are all of those things that we, don't, that, 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 that we would like to push away and get rid of. But we say, yeah, that's where you start. And we don't expect you to clean those things up before you can come in here. We do that today. 
we welcome people exactly as they are. And I believe with all of my heart, and this is something we got to keep working on because if we don't, it drifts and we start to get not good at it. But I totally believe that we are a family to belong to. And do we have deeds to do? Absolutely. It is our job to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We could do a better job of this. We could definitely do a better job of being more creative and thinking hard about how we are going to share the love that Jesus has given us. But we absolutely have a mission that we are called to within the north side of Edmonton that, that, that makes a difference not just for us but for everybody. That I believe with, again, with every fiber of my being that you think like, okay, this is a city with surrounding areas of around a million people. A little bit less, a little bit more, depending on which census data you're using, and if you include the soon-to-be amalgamated centers of uh, Sherwood Park and St. Albert. Um, I was just a dig at my St. Albert people. Um, 400 people makes all the difference in the world. If we take 400 people, and with God's help, and ourselves as well, begin to transform from people who are angry, who are bitter, who are in debt, who are afraid of other people, who, who, who live out their own frustrations and, 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 and help them with the Holy Spirit to transform into people who give themselves for other people, who live sacrificially for the benefit of those around them, who welcome strangers, who, who, who engage in those deeds worth doing, that makes a vast difference in this city. All of a sudden, it... it changes the tide it turns up the temperature it makes a, a huge difference in a city of a million and we can do that here so do not let anyone denigrate the ministry of a church uh the the the, uh, the, the ministry of this church because they think it's too small oh, or or think yourselves we don't have enough people on our average sunday we don't have enough of a budget we don't have enough of anything it starts small and it's always started small we have every power within us to change this city. And I, and, 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 the, and I love what happened this morning because it is an exact representation of who we are. That we had a plan and then that plan got thrown off and we adjusted to it because people are more important than plans. And we recognize that in working with people uh, who are as complex and weird as I am, that we're going to find ourselves in places where we have to do that. And I think that this is a beautiful illustration of what Jesus says in 1 Corinthians 4, but is also so incredibly easy for churches to forget, where Paul says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts, boast in the Lord. And we will boast in the Lord. We will, because that is the primary thing that we are committed to as a church, is we all gather. Everybody come to church day, and thank you everybody for coming today. This is the thing that we are committed to most of all, is pointing people towards Jesus. And if we've got a reason to boast, yes, we do, and that is Jesus. So the challenge for us is to not let this 
momentum, not let this emotion, not let this desire die in the vine or think that it's impossible because we're never going to be able to get there. The challenge for us is to keep going with this, to remain committed to this one task and say, yes, we are going to point people toward a leader worth following. We are going to aim our hearts and be a family worth belonging to. And we are going to point people toward deeds worth doing because we believe that that is the way that we disciple become and are disciples and also the way that we make disciples of the world so let's pray together god again we thank you for everything that you have done and are doing we thank you that you don't like this world does only look to the prodigies only look to the elite only look to the people who started out with all of their ducks in a row properly to all of the people with the proper plans but that you call the lowly things of this world the things that are not out of this world to demonstrate your glory and your goodness that you choose people who are scared and angry and in debt and you look at them and say you are my champion You are a mighty person who is going to do amazing things to bless the world around you. We thank you that we have been included in that. So as we go forward, help us to be bold. Help us to boast in the the Lord. Help us to not shrink back and, and look at our own backgrounds or our resumes or our bank accounts or anything else except to you for the power that we need to do what you've called us to do in this world. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus.